here we go. Spring of 2020. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Podcast is supposed to start. Just didn't get that on, we did not get that on audio, but there was just a major fight that just took place right in the podcast studios of 1080 Outdoors. Right here in the studio, there was a giant fight. Welcome, everybody, to the 1080 Outdoors podcast. This is episode 59. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. We're going over thermals, and we're going over the weather report for the week of September 21st to September 27th. The day is September 21st, and this thing should be live tonight. And let me fill you in what just happened. Jed is blood a piece. pressure is extremely elevated. Here's the deal. So I text Jed one day in the last week. Hey, what the fuck? What are you guys doing? You hunting tonight or what? Like, where are you going? And he goes, yeah. He said, probably says just, yeah. Oh, where are you going? I don't know yet. What are your options? Actually, Weston, can you pull the conversation up so I, I don't lie on live air no it's, you're good right now keep going i've got a steel trap i know what was said and uh so then he goes something about public i'm like well where and he goes all of vernon count Ooh. yeah that's fine i said all of vernon county's on the table and he yeah. said i doubt it and i was like no okay well this conversation's over now so so jed hunting jed hunting tomorrow night would be would you be around at dark might need uh yeah okay yeah, I'm headed out tonight, Taylor. Where are you going? <laughs> Jed, haven't decided. Well, where are you choosing between? Jed, all of Vernon County public lands. Taylor, well, I doubt that. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all jacked up. I'm sitting there being like, all right, I got my computer open. I opened Onyx. I'm like, give me four fucking public tracks. No, I've, I've never already said looked that. at all of them. Never said that. This is in my head. I don't th- I don't need to say it. I felt the attitude. I said, so I said, fuck you. Go jumble out yourself tonight. Then I don't give a fuck what you do. And that's what I did. And it was awesome. So what was your, what What did you, that was your probably your first night of hunting, right? Was that your first, well, minus the last weekend, but I think we already talked about that. Yeah, that, that would have been my first, yeah. Night of the week, yep. yeah. yeah. Kind of like how we're going on a weekly routine. We got to re- report back how much we hunted during a week. You do or don't? I do like that. Oh, okay. Hold people accountable. Weston. None. Maybe. I don't even know if he's... Whatever. We'll get into that. <laughs> Supposed to be putting out hunting content. People aren't hunting. All right. So how was your sits this for the week? Uh, well, I eliminated an entire property. So I was productive. What made you do that? Uh, just putting my, my boots on the ground and seeing what it actually was and didn't like it. Well, describe what you didn't like. Well, like, what did you think it was well, when I you saw thought, it in the aerial? I thought that uh, when I looked at, <clears throat> when I did the drive-by and uh, my e-scouting, I thought that there was a clear separation between bedding areas where I would have an access in through a deep ditch uh, and I could sneak in undetected between yeah, them those ditches are tough to read on and map. set up they really are set up at the head of it 
catch him, you know, which was right in the fact that uh, they don't cross anywhere in that ditch except the very top and the very bottom. So I was right on that. What I was wrong about is how tight that ditch was, and there's no sneaking in there whatsoever. Just announce yourself to the world. Yeah, because of, of the debris. Debris, and it's way tighter than I thought it was, and not as steep. And visible to the points. Yes, and I thought it was steep enough where I could get, you know. Yes. Not the case. <sighs> Man, that is, that's a great thing to bring up because I, I find that issue, is, that's probably the biggest issue with properly scouting things around here. Oh, it, it's like, I wish I was to the point where I could look at a top, topo map. It's our biggest challenge. It's our biggest challenge hunting this type of terrain. Yeah, I wish that I was good enough at looking at a topo map and it actually making perfect sense to me because every trip all west that I've taken and most trips around here, I'm like looking at something, I get excited about it. I'm like, oh, this is what it's going to look like. I get there and it's nothing like that and I'm pissed. Well, I don't. I just don't think it exists because there's too much broken terrain within two lines of a topo map. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That just cannot yep. be explained. It's yep. impossible for this area. You can see if something's a big spine. You can see if there's a somewhat of a steep drop-off. You will never tell you, like, where that steep drop-off is, like, how steep it really is. I mean, it does with the lines, like, how close it is, but... Yeah, like, no, I've, been, I've been around a ditch before where it's like, that's probably not passable. And then you look down and you're like, that doesn't look that bad. And then you there's just the most of it's like that ditch doesn't look bad. And then you go to like use advantage of it and it's not you can't get up in it. Because that's I mean, how like that would be the ideal way to access places around here. I mean, everywhere like ditches are a nice thing to do, a nice thing to walk in because your visual exposure is just so much. You're not exposing yourself visually and your winds hopefully getting sucked down into the ditch. Yeah, it was also a nightmare with debris. Yeah, it's there. There was a logging road that abruptly ended. Like I thought it turned a corner, but it didn't. It just ended. Uh, it was just yeah. nightmare. Not to mention, I mean, a very popular place for deer and bucks to be bedded in this area is a secondary like point that you don't really notice mm-hmm. in a ditch like that. Yep. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Someone tries to tell you that bucks aren't bedded up high in ditches as a secondary location over even, I don't even, they're, they're, there's probably a very minimal point in there that they're on, but not even like, it's not like one of those big points. Like they, they tuck up in those ditches sometimes and that makes it, makes it difficult. And again, yeah. What's a similar area to this? That's been like Pennsylvania, similar to this Northeastern Iowa, Minnesota, obviously. Yep. Any anywhere with a big, big river, big area, yeah. Anywhere, anywhere down big... the, yeah, anywhere down the like Mississippi, most likely. Right, right. Just steep, aggressive terrain. All right. So what happened? Uh, did like you have any good sets or? Uh, the next night, well, I don't know. Another night, I went and uh, checked out another piece of public, and ended up liking that quite a bit. It was, it was a place that you could get into, fairly sneaky. Um, the, the only thing I didn't like about it was it was still close to a road that I underestimated the vehicle travel on. Not mm. like I think that affects deer movement. I just mm. get annoyed by it. Yeah. Um, ended up having a little... Township road? Yeah. 
Really? Ended up having a little buck come under me. Um, passed him again. Yeah. And just just going heavy on the passing little bucks. You're year, a new right? guy. Yeah. It's crazy. And then uh, hunted down Dane County Way, a couple sits. Um, saw deer because you can't sit near a crop field in Dane County and not see deer. Mm-hmm. Um, no shot opportunities. Uh, Jake ended up tagging a doe last night. Nice. Yeah. You know, Jer- oh, Jared saw a wart-infested buck last night. Wart? Just disgusting warts oh. down its back and sides. He said, like, the ones on it, like, above its shoulder blades were, like, the size of grapes. And the ones on its, like, rump were the size of softballs. Wow. And, like, it, it turned its head. He said it was standing directly under the stand. And it was, like, turning its head and licking its rump. And its nose was disappearing under these warts. We, we've had pictures of wart, warty deer in Canada. And we did a little research, like, when we got those pictures. And they're... Just warts of the skin. It's not, like, it does not affect the meat. It, it Like, they can clear up. And unless they, like, are so large and in, like, on the face, uh, obstructing the mouth, no ill yeah. effects. What, is it, what causes it? I. What, just whatever causes a wart? Right. Yeah. But the one that we had pictures of in Canada was nothing like what he described. He's like, look up, look at, look up deer warts on Google. The picture that comes up that's as gross as it looks, or is like the grossest picture on that list, is what that deer looked like. And that, what he doesn't have a camera anymore with him? I guess not. Oh my god. Yeah, that's... I was like, if it was a booner, would you be able to cape it out? He's like, no, I'd have to like take it somewhere and have them do it. He's like, there's no way I could have scum that thing out. Jesus, when they you think they just come right off when you skin it though? You probably wouldn't even have to deal with them that much. You think they're connected to just the skin? Yeah, like they wouldn't just pop off. I mean, like yeah, it would come well, off, come with, off the skin, with the skin, but like yeah. he's just saying Attached he's not willing. Skin, yeah, he's not to touching even it. Cut into the like into the skin of that. Right. Oh, he'd be, just be Bleh. Jesus. He's, he's he actually <laughs> said that like his mouth was creating saliva, like he was about to puke. Yeah, it got grossed out. Yeah, that's that's, that's disgusting. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I probably wouldn't like that either. That's what I'm saying. You want to eat it, go ahead and eat it. I probably won't. Yeah, like, I, just, I, won't, I just shoot won't shoot it. it. Yeah. Right. right. Huh. Well, I um, look at the calendar here. Oh, yeah. So I started getting pictures of um, V-Town for like three nights in a row. Because I think I got one here when, after we recorded the podcast on Monday. So then Tuesday was warm again. I was still getting pictures of them. Then Wednesday was warm, but that front was coming in, so it was getting cooler. And uh, Tuesday night in, like, humid, hot, humid, I saw six nice bucks in two different locations. Just out feeding in an open field on the land that I hunt. And... uh, like really late at night but it really just shows that the giant i mean such a giant factor is when the corn gets cut because the corn got chopped 
and they were just all over it, like 20 deer and just two or three like really nice bucks just standing out in open fields. I don't know, in September, like in the warm day, on a warm day. Tuesday was 80 and humid. Wednesday was still pretty warm too. I mean, Wednesday had that cold air coming at night. Like, So anyways, we had south, 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 south. And then Wednesday midday was switching to north before the front. That's why, like, when I think people say sometimes you hunt that first day of the front, but, like, this was a perfect example when you hunt before the front. Like, not to mention, that's a huge advantage to hunt when the wind switches like that. I'm positive of it now because I watched bucks come out of a bedding area they would never be in with a north wind. Would make any sense. And they were tight. They're up in Tradfinger. Nice. So, anyways, um, that's that was my suspicion. Plus, you know, there's that ditch below him. That was my suspicion too. Well, um, I guess I couldn't confirm where they came out of on Tuesday night. So then Wednesday, my plan was, um, I had thought that they were further back. I did not think they were in Tradfinger. I thought no way. They may bed there right away, but there's no way that they're going to end up there at 3 o'clock when it's a dead north wind. So I was going in. I got everything packed up to hang hang and hunt in the, in Tradfinger. Like, just go in, like, stay up to the state of the very, very um, south tip. But, like, I was going to put a stand in there and go out. And I forget my safety harness. And Jeffrey's coming to meet me, and he's, like, running late, so he's going to meet me out there. And I just was like, I don't know. I don't like – I got pictures of V-Town, like, right – I knew he was in there in the morning. or like, And I knew, like, there was another good buck in there. I was like, I don't know. I feel really sketchy about this. And I have, and I have to get my safety harness. I'm like, let's just hunt from the ground. Well, there's an awesome terrace right there that – I don't know. I knew I've used it before, like shield stuff, but I just had never used it like this. But they were coming out as high up there that we ended up just. My plan was to go sit sit behind the terrace. So then I waited for Jeffrey. Came back. He got it. So like, we left here at like five fifteen, and I go out and we pull in, and that fucking buck is standing just out in the middle of the field, at five like twenty. Like I can't like staring at us. Just came out of trad finger. This is uh, this is that twister buck, big brow tine, pretty nice buck. And I like right away. I'm like, oh shit, there, there's V town. Like it has to be. I saw a giant body, big rack. You know, it's pretty far, pretty far away. But then I got that I distinguished his brow tine. Like, well, it's not him, but I probably I'd shoot him if he came within 20 yards. And uh, so we go like. Down a fence line, cross a fence, sneak in the back way, like get into the terrace, start hand crawling through a muddy, like gross terrace. I mean, it's September 18th or 17th or something, like 5:20 in the afternoon. Like it was weird. I thought I was mule deer hunting. <laughs> like we were like sneak because from the terrace, he probably was 40 yards when we when we left him. Yeah. Like he may have been fit, maybe fifty. Like it was, and I, at the time I was like, Jesus, he, we might be able to get to like twenty five yards from him. 
we had a goal. Like we were running like, turkey, turkey hunting. Like, I don't know. It was weird. And, uh, we get all the way in there and they're not, you can't see them, but there's a aggressive knob that I can't see like probably 80 yards away that I can't see past. I'm assuming. And then I creeped up once, saw a head over there. So then we get in loca- then we get in the spot and like I had turned around, like we were talking and I like peeked over my shoulder and there was like eight deer all of a sudden at 20 yards standing there like dolls. Well, they're right here. This terrace thing is sick, though. You like literally lay behind it, and like they have no clue. Mm-hmm. And there's like tall weeds you can hide in. So we get around, and sure enough, here comes uh, a different buck, which is the third buck that was summering with the um, Twister buck and V Town. And in, in the summer, he didn't look as big as them, but he's literally bigger than the Twister buck. Just a giant, massive ten pointer. Like, no, nah, I shouldn't say that. A giant, massive ten pointer, like probably four year old. I was like, my God, what is that? But I could tell he has like, these little like hooks. I might call I think we're calling them hook. Little hooks like on the inside of his rack. So easy to tell. So he comes to like 60 yards. I can't say I really considered it. Like I wasn't not like, I don't think I was going to shoot him. I, I didn't even raise my bow up. And uh, I don't know, like, those that went past us before got a wind of us or something else happened, but deer blew, so then he ran. Mm. This is still, like, 5, this is probably, like, 5.45 or, like, 6 or something, like, early. And, uh, like, great, like, sweet. I thought we were, like, the easiest place ever, and still a fucking dull winded me. Like, what the hell? And, uh, so, once again, we're, like, sitting back, like, talking not paying attention. I look up, peek over my shoulder, like two deer coming out and here comes that big one up over the hill and twisters with him right next to each other. Just sit out there like beautiful footage. A mate, like really nice, two really nice bucks, like just feeding at like six thirty in a hay field, like 80 yards away. Oh my God. <laughs> this is sick. And, uh, I don't know. They just moved on. And the next, so, I don't know. I was just, like, really, then it, like, really, like, freaked me out about them bedding there. And then I found another bedding area, like, really high up in the ditch, but that they'd be able to bed with a different wind on top of the other bedding area we found in August. They literally have me pegged. I can't get in anywhere except this terrace. Because they could be in any three of them. You have to, I mean, it's September. I'm going to act like they're in all, like, I'm going to act like they're in some of them, you know. So, the next night I just sat back and those two bucks were in a different spot, but I saw them again. And then the next night I went on another observation, saw that one big 10-pointer again. Like, just saw them like four or five straight days. And then the wind switched back to south, so I've been pretty much out of that area since then. Sat out here at the farm in one of our blinds for the first time. Saw six deer, five doe, and a little buck. That was pretty cool. I was going to shoot a doe, but... Ooh, it was calm. Those blinds are not easy to navigate. Those windows are just too big and dumb. Here's, here's a tip. 
make homemade box blinds. Make your windows smaller than what you think you should. I mean, just they're just a pain to open. You got deer at like seven yards. It's not ideal. <laughs> not to men- like mention like how much noise it seems like you're making inside of it. So I had a pretty cool, pretty cool week. I'm still playing it back. Like if I was going to go after those bucks, if I wanted to kill one really badly, if V10 was, was not part of the picture, I think I probably could have killed them because I pegged them on the place that I found them the next night because I went and checked cameras and they were in there at like 530. I was like, I probably could sit in Hidden Field right now, tonight, and I can get in and I could probably hunt it with this wind. And they were like, they were out in the infield at like six o'clock, 20 yards from the tree. I would have been in. So that, that was kind of cool. Like figuring out like these little cycles that they're on. Cause they're just, I don't know, for some reason they're showing themselves right now, but then now they're, I haven't had anything for a few days, but that North switch, that North wind switch. So it kind of gave away cause they moved to the hidden field location. So I wonder if there's something in there I don't see for a north wind and i think it's on the north leeward side of uh the place we call uh violet knob that would work for a north so that's kind of interesting weston do you have any any knowledge of a hunt <laughs> or are you busy no uh tuesday last week i well mitchell and i went out and we checked a few of our trail cameras um just to kind of get a little more intel before we Really dive yeah, in. We know why we check <coughs> show cameras. Yep. And uh, <laughs> had some pictures of, of uh, the big one that we've had pictures of. That's nice. Um, on the field edge, that's about 50, 60 yards from. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, from yeah. the stand. Um, daylighter, too. Uh, yeah, well, it was like right at 730, but yeah. So. Wasn't it a daylight picture, though? Like, wasn't it a daytime in the picture? Well, it was like that, like weird, where it like oh, almost it was- looks- yeah, like gray. Cause I thought you sent me one that was like legitimate, <coughs> like daylight, like colored picture. Uh, before he he had been there at like six or six thirty, but not that location. Okay, but same area, but not by that stand location. Um, so then we kind of decided that I don't really want to mess around in there unless it's um a south or a west wind, because then it would just be blowing out towards the field. Otherwise, a, like a north wind would blow down so that, the ditch, so, and then so what we have here is a north, a north to south field, with yep. a falling wood line mm-hmm. to the west. Yep. So, <clears throat> there's two. Ditches. What was the wind when they were daylighting out there? Uh Well, what was that? North northwest, I think. Yeah, northwest wind. The night that I saw them, well, I saw those two shooters. It was a northwest mm. wind last week. Well, that'd be advantageous to Yeah. So we did an observation sit on that Thursday with the north wind. So the back end of the front, because I couldn't go Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Family, family things. Um, I doubt that, but yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I told you Wednesday was the day. I know. <clears throat> but got out there on Thursday night. Uh, we sat in like the edge of a cornfield. Uh, we saw two does, uh doe and a fawn, and then... Uh, like two and a half year old eight point that we've had on camera quite a few times. That he must use that trail pretty often to come out into the field right past the camera. Hold on a second, Jed, are you fucking sleeping? <laughs> I'm intently listening with my eyes closed. 
Jesus. two and a half year old eight point had it on trail cam bunch, yeah comes okay. down the trail my god he's laying on the ground almost <laughs> acting like he's asleep he had a tough day at work <clears throat> sorry but, uh, Weston, that was at mm, like seven fifteen. uh he went the complete opposite actually like downwind direction so i was kind of a little sketched out about that but uh do you so, think that he's sleeping because of the way that you tell a story maybe i don't know could be he's <coughs> giving us a thumbs up so yeah i don't know do i need to get a little more like excited about it well um, jesus man but so anyways so whatever it's dark we sneak back out the cornfield put all our shit away in the truck and i sit down i flip the turn the key on in the truck and i freaking big wide ass 10 pointer that we don't have any pictures of so it's like a dead end road mm-hmm. and i just park on the high side, and then I whatever. So a large antler buck was just standing in front of your vehicle. No, he was across the road in the field, probably forty yards off the off the road, mm. at like too dark, and mm-hmm. he just watched us probably walk through the field and freaking up to the truck, and then he just sat there while we just sat there and looked at him out the window, hmm. and he was with a doe. Is that on land that you can hunt? Yes. Hmm. It's like, so then across that road, there's like, it's only like six acres. There's a little wooded patch with a alfalfa field right in front yeah, of it. Yeah, sneaky but, little six. Yeah. That's Which, where they, that's where they go. They go to places that you don't think they're going to be in. <laughs> well, I was so like. a little six acre chunk that nobody ever touches because it's only six acres. And it's right behind yeah, the landowners. across the road or well, something. Well, it's, it's technically the landowners that I hunt on. It's his brother, but he allows us to hunt it. I think uh, I don't even have a stand over there, but I think Mitchell does, and my uncle might have a stand in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. But, but uh, so everyone, well, yeah, I guess. Well, you and I both saw mature bucks on their feet then in yeah. daylight hours. Well, this was pretty good. This for was September. after dark, but but yeah, he would have been yeah for him to be there. Oh, for him he, to be all the way up in there, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, that's all. I only had one sit this last week, just Thursday. Um, yeah. Tonight now seems like it would be a good night to be out there. It just got cloudy and like mm-hmm. kind of cool, and it's been windy all day. It's going to die down. Yeah. Um, but this week kind of ah, – there's nothing great this week. We no, really, this week's pretty stagnant. We were really like blessed with some really cool little weather events those first two weeks. Mm-hmm. So for the week of – the 21st of September, we got the weekly weather report. Monday night, which is today, I would say has been a pretty mild, colder day. Tomorrow, Tuesday, 922, 78 degrees. We have a dropping pressure throughout the week here. 79 Wednesday, still way above the average. I'm not expecting good deer movement, plus we have a dropping of pressure. The only reason why Wednesday could be good is there is a small chance of rain on Thursday. I don't like that rain, though. It's a, well. 30%. Not great. I don't, I shouldn't say that. I don't like it. I just, I guess it is, that could be a trigger. That could be a trigger event because we haven't had rain actually in a while. But not much of a temp change. About five degrees and then Friday, 77, pressure still still going down 
to a Saturday evening storm, which if that rain hits after dark, that could be good, but it looks like it might be hitting during the last part of daylight and then Sunday clear. But there is a little pressure jump back up, and it's going to be after a rain on Saturday. So that could be good. And we have consistent salts until um, Saturday into Sunday. Wow, that's a full fucking week of south winds. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Never. I don't think it's ever that good to just have a consistent wind. I like those days that switch. Well, so Maybe like Sunday might be on our right. <clears throat> yeah, but I wish it switched at a better time. Like, it's switching Saturday evening. Well, if that moves up a little bit and it switches to, like, a west, and it was a southwest all day on Saturday night, that could be something. <clears throat> but it's if it's raining, though, too. Um, I think Sunday afternoon might be okay. Sunday, probably. Yeah, Sunday afternoon, because it looks like we're going to get back into cold temps that next week. Jed, are you looking at the weather? Yeah. What do you think? Um, I'm actually more intrigued on the Thursday Thursday storm than you are. Why? Yeah, there's a chance it could rain all morning and possibly be clear in the afternoon. Yeah. I think you're right. I think I think you should take that more seriously because it's going to be first time it's rained in probably ten to fourteen days here. And if it if it if you get a slow rain like all morning, that clears up into sun in the afternoon, I could definitely see that. Plus, you have a pressure bottom out possible kickback up that evening, so not much, but. What's your plan then for this week? You trying to hunt some? Oh, I would imagine. Luke. You gonna try to hunt that? Like, are you planning probably, for Thursday probably. afternoon? Like Thursday, because the afternoon is the way I'd handle that. I don't know about you. Yeah, like I, I would, I would probably put minimal effort into something Wednesday night. Um, just on the off chance there's a unless, weird unless that storm got bigger. Like, if it all of a sudden was saying, like, all day rain Thursday, then yeah. it would be pushing for Wednesday. Yeah. But, like, like a Wednesday night, I could see a barn sit in my future. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in those low-impact observations mm-hmm. of any type, if, including your car. Yeah. And then so I'm I'm actually pretty intrigued by Sunday morning. Rain quitting about midnight. I mean... This is obviously a ways out, but rain quitting about midnight. <clears throat> Just wish it would be a little bit cloudy. Yeah, Sunday morning, if you're into hunting mornings right now, could be a good deal. If you got something going, if you're pretty sure, or if you're hunting public, I could I could see myself tossing in a public morning sitting in the next, especially that next, it looks like we're going to get into like 50s after next week. So, So what is your... What is the reasoning behind not sitting mornings this early? Well, like you, I know, I know you you allude to it so a lot, but I just yeah. So like what I described what was happening in the location I was hunting last week, where they were bedded like 
five yards from the fucking field. Right. Where are you going to hunt in the morning? Like, the idea of a morning sit is you catch them coming back to their bedroom. Right. Well, their bedroom is out. Like, I don't even have tree stands out as far as where they're bedded (laughs) right now. Okay. So, and, but that's not every buck. I'm just, like, I just, that is happening right now. So, when the foil, like, when the foliage drops, I think naturally they're going to get see some bedding that takes place that gets driven back, right? Into, like, yeah. thicker, more, yep. more, uh, um, just kind of, like, more, like, obvious areas, right? Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to run into the issue I ran into this right. week where they're, like, literally bedded anywhere I could possibly set foot in that area. Okay. Um, yeah, so, if, I don't know, I hunt mornings with the thought of catching movement from, to their bedroom, and if I don't have a good sense of where their bedroom is, I don't think walking out in, especially if your access is shitty for a morning hunt. Right. Okay. Um, if you got bottom access, you can get away with a lot more morning hunts, I think. But in our situation, we have field top where the fence line doesn't allow bottom access, and you have field top to the wood line to like, so you're going field mm-hmm. to your stand that you're hopefully intercepting that similar line of movement. So, like, you kind of walk through the shit that you're supposed to be intercepting. Right. Okay. Unless you get really creative and you have, like, I've tried doing this before where you try to, like, get an idea of where they're feeding at in that last half hour because you can pinpoint that and then you can kind of walk around them. <clears throat> but that's a general idea. It's just easier to. Not plus, to you know, them. you get later in the year, you get away with a lot more. Right. Bucks aren't. Bucks are in their summer shit right now. Like, they're. They're easier to push around. Like you bump one now, they're going they're going back on the acorn flat, and you're not seeing them for a month. In my farm situations, okay, makes sense. It's about to change though. Everything seems to be earlier this year. I was thinking about the today. I was like, shit. Like middle of October might be bomb fire. Yeah, like I think that the the October like. The October lull, which is really just the October deer switching off their summer patterns and kind of going rogue for a while, um, is going to happen early. Yeah, early. Like, well, I'm not getting pictures right now. I've just been it's been uh, been four or five days since I had a mature buck on camera, so it's possible we just I had a chance there for summer stuff and right, and that's gone now. Yeah. Yep. And I definitely that played in that played into my decision making last week, and I just didn't think I had it down enough to really yeah. push in on him. I'm also going after a freak deer. show. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know he's a nighttime little freak. Well, the older they get, the the more or the less nocturnal they get. So yeah, that's what say. I'm hoping for. So they him. say. Yeah, like I'm hoping last year was his like really like reclusive type year because mm-hmm. Jesus, he was tough to find. But at three. He was easy to find, yep. and we have the same conditions right now, and he's acting similar to that. Like The camera I had him on for three straight days last week, I don't think I had him ever on that last year. It was always him skimming around shit. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I got him on, like, tricky cameras, kind of. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw Beans getting getting gone in, uh, in Dane County this week. Yeah. So... 
Shit's shit's starting to turn. Oh, they're getting brown here too. Jeez. Oh, yeah. there's. I mean, there's fields without leaves on them already. Oh yeah, for sure. And I would say, so I would. Man, if you can get an acorn flat, that'd be a morning sit. One of these cold mornings, I'd, I wouldn't be afraid to get in there. When I say I don't hunt mornings right now, I just don't have a good situation. Right. I bet on this farm, the one we just bought, I may, I wouldn't be afraid. If I thought something was living here, that's a, not, that's a tough one, though. It's, it's tough because, like, especially you hunt these small tracks, like, it's just, it's tough to make aggressive moves right now. Until I get good proof of them being on their feet in the mornings in daylight, which I should on properties that I hunt, right? Because I have enough cameras out. Like they're gonna give it away, because mm-hmm. I know that I know the spots now, especially at the place I hunt. Like, all right, they're probably gonna daylight here first, and then I'll be in on them. That's why cell cameras are just a game changer. So I'd say for sure. Alfalfa is still rocking, man. Like, that shit looks great right now. Prime. My clover fields are, like, unbelievable. It's just, they're, that's, this is their time to shine. They look like shit in July and August, and, God, they look just amazing. Like, just so full and lush, and they're in them a ton. I'm not seeing any action in beans. Um, so, yeah, if you got an acorn flat, hit that. Or that lone acorn tree along a field edge, possibly. I could stage up and around that and and get on green, 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 green. And then scrapes and rubs are starting to pick up, too. Yeah, that was another thing so that I'm, I... I'm going to start moving cameras over to them. I'm just waiting for them to actually like show that they're like a true scrape, and then I'm probably going to move them. That was another thing that I noticed um, with the food plot that I put in this year, the little micro plot, um, is that... I finally had like over a hundred pictures and it was like consistent cause there's finally actually some consistent growth in it. It's a little spotty, but it looks pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had like bucks feeding in there, like f- fine, not big bucks, but there was, it was pretty much just a doe and a fawn, like almost every other day. And now it was, there was little bucks, con- I mean, consistently in there. You know, every other night or every night. Yeah. So, bucks are doing. They're doing some. They're doing different stuff. Right. Um, probably no probably had the most intent, like just studying of my trail cameras this early in the year this year, or at least that I remember. And I remember like thinking, like, what the fuck? There's like no bucks around. Like, yeah. These certain cameras that usually have them. Mm-hmm. Last week they're back. They're coming yeah. back. Um. But yeah, then I, I made a little mock scrape because there's a like a licking branch hanging down off a of, yeah. left one of the little trees. <clears throat> and so I think I have pissed in it. I think nice. yeah. I've, se- Do I've it. seen two. Two scrapes. I've seen two scrapes so far. Two legit ones like yep. opened up. Yep. Any rubs? No, no rubs. I haven't seen any rubs either. Rubs either. But I think my cell cam tactic is pretty much gonna be there every cell cam except going maybe three. Yeah, I'd say ninety percent of my cell cams are going on scrapes. They just give everything away. Like mm-hmm. And, like, I, I don't mind if they hit them, like, right after dark. I know they're in there. I know they're in there then. I know they're and I know they're being sneaky about it because they're circling probably downwind of it before they come to it, especially that first couple weeks of October. Yeah. These early season scrapes give a lot away because they just can't control themselves. They might not be hitting them daylight, but if you got them in there at, like, 7, you know, 8, you know, next month 7, where it's within that first hour 
hour and a half of dark, I feel pretty confident you can probably get on them somewhere in that area because they're daylight in somewhere and they just took that long to get to that scrape. And sometimes they fucking get there right away. I mean, that's... And, and the second a big rub, rub line opens up, you... Oof. Be there. A good, good rub line right along a, like a fence line or something. And then just like all of a sudden, you, whoa, I've made the mistake too many times where I went, whoa, and didn't sit on it and put a camera on it. And it was like fucking easy for the next three days. There's that That's a powerful one, but we're getting, that's that'll be like later in October. Yeah. We're getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> yeah. So thermals is the big conversation today. Um, I guess Weston, what is your? So basically, I don't. We don't probably do a good. I don't do a good enough job. Yeah. So I just kind of thought it's hard to explain. If I had a question, I would assume other people would probably have questions. So basically, if you could just describe thermals, not you know, I mean, in as as depth as in as in depth as I in can. depth as you want to go. Let's nerd out. Go. Um, yeah, all right. So first I will explain that this was probably the hardest thing for me to grasp. And I think the big thing for people to understand is what a leeward side hill, hill is. Um, and really think about what water does. Like if you just go in the woods and you're like, picture like what water does, if it was just running through that woods, that probably gives away a lot of times when like thermals are getting sucked down. Um, so generally, like, so let's, what? Hold on. What you're saying there like is if, to hurry up the learning curve. Like, realize what a leeward hill is, and then just think of things as like how water runs over. Like, that's my easiest. So you're saying, like, if you're gonna imagine what a thermal will do, yes, in a given location, look at what what water would do in that scenario. Yeah, for Enjoy. dropping, and then yep. realize okay. what a leeward hill is for rising. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Because that's just for whatever reason, I, I just I couldn't understand it. I didn't it didn't catch me. Like I didn't see the proof of it for for a long time. Well, leeward, downhill slope, that the wind is coming over. Okay, what's the what's the where the wind hits the uh, hillside? Um, I, don't, I never use it, so I don't I can't remember what it's called. And. What that does the on blast side? No, it has like it's like it's like <laughs> inward or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's windward. Windward. windward? That, yeah. that, makes sense. that would make perfect sense. Um. The windward side. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and you. I mean, that's that's common. Like, I think about that for turkey hunting too. Like you, that leeward side where they roost, and um, so what happens is when a normal wind current is taking place. Like that wind comes over and it doesn't run exactly like water. It'll actually shoot over the, the drop off, right? And then it can create, it creates like these tunnels because it just, then it gets out into open space and it swirls. <clears throat> so thermals play the effect on the ground floor where it can actually cause that swirl. So like the the reason why the swirl happens once it gets out past the point, gets into openings because there's these things like thermals are coming up the hill from the ground, cause a swirl. <clears throat> and that's, that's essentially the, the thought process behind why bucks bet on military crest because the military crest is that point that the wind stops acting like water and goes out into space 
and it meets the thermals that are coming up in the mornings. Okay. That is, that's, that's the idea behind like buck bedding and, and whatnot. So what thermals are, they play a secondary role to wind in my idea. And like what Jed, Jed thinks they play even aggressively more of a secondary role in this area. But in the sense of like, if a wind is strong, <clears throat> they probably trump thermals and thermals in general, the easiest way to think about them is, um, when the ground is getting cooler, so like it's, it's stuff that's happening there when the ground's getting cooler, it sinks. And when the ground it goes downhill, right? It go, like, so you're, so you're, the water starts rushing downhill. And when it's, when the ground's warming up, the water's kind of rushing uphill where like the, the air currents are rushing uphill. Yep. So your thermals will rise, possibly even rising, like just straight up in the air. Okay. So that's why like when you, that's when that meet, that's when that wind meets the thermal rise, you have this weird thing that happens where your wind's just pretty much going up in the air. So that's where, that's the idea behind that's why bucks bed there because they can. Oh, bucks bed, yeah, bucks can bed in the middle of the grass because they catch everything they coming catch over the, the hill. wind and then they catch the The wind that's still acting well. like a, like a, um, like water. Yep. Meets the thermal rise that acts like water rushing uphill. So, so it's like the, the best, spot that you can smell worlds, everything. Best of both worlds, basically. Yeah. yeah, okay. Makes a lot more but sense now. <clears throat> you get in a tree and you get above into that wind. And you get out on a point, like, in a more advantageous spot than what they're traveling, or, like, higher up than where they're traveling, and you can get to those positions where they can't smell you even downwind of you. So, the easiest way to put it is, um, Jed, are you going to cite, like, the scientific version of this? Because I think I've explained, like, the easiest, like, dumb version is, like, it gets warm, it rises. It gets cold, it goes down. Yep. Okay. So did you read the scientific version yeah. from Wikipedia? Yeah. You want me to read it, or are you, you going to yeah, read Yeah, you can read it. I don't have it memorized. Oh, I thought you had it open. No. So, a ther- thermal column is a column of rising air in lower altitudes of Earth's atmosphere. A form of at- atmospheric updraft thermals are created by the uneven heating of Earth's surface from solar radiation, sun, and are an example of convection, specifically atmospheric convection. The sun warms the ground, which in turn warms the air directly above it. So the warmer air near the surface expands, becoming less dense than the surrounding air. The lighter air rises and cools due to its expansion in the power or in the, or in the lower pressure at higher altitudes. It stops rising when it has cooled the same temperature as the surrounding air. That's science, man. It's Wikipedia. I'm a big fan of Wikipedia. You have to be. And if you're, like, a college student and you have claimed to never have used Wikipedia for, like, and then you just find bullshit sources to cite your sources because, like, everybody has done that, if you say you haven't, you're a liar. Yeah, that's a good point. Because it's like you find all your information off Wikipedia, then you find these other stupid sources that you don't really want to read through, and you just cite them instead. Yeah. So, um, Jed. Yeah. What are your experiences with thermals? You you probably have a stronger experience hunting in the mountains because it, it's just probably more, yeah, it's, it's more prevalent. It's more pronounced there. Yeah. Um, like, 
in in mountain scenarios, it seems like it doesn't matter what the wind is doing, the thermals trump the wind. Like in in the morning, you're gonna be having your thermals just like the wind is just howling down the canyon. Yep. And then you know, come nine ten o'clock, it's howling up the canyon. And then you get on like a point and it's blowing, you know, left and right. But the moment you get back into that canyon. It's going up or down. Again. Yeah, and it's a bigger example of what takes place in smaller. Um, yes. Like smaller, lower, uh, lower, uh, lower elevation, lower and less, less aggressive changes. Yeah. Yeah, but here I think, I think that the wind, um, there's just it, it's just so micro, like the the canyons here, you know, ditches, like. It's just so micro that I don't think it has nearly the effect that it does in the mountains. No, I mean it's it. You don't like get a stern wind in your face. Um, it's not easy to see. The only times I've truly seen it is by throwing milkweed, and once it gets out there, um, you can kind of see something happen where it kicks up or something. Uh, I've seen it, you know, with milkweed before when it's <clears throat> dead calm in a morning, like a sunny, dead calm morning where your milkweed just goes straight up in the air. Um, so it's, it's definitely, you're, you, you're saying you don't know if it's happening or no, you no, 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 notice it. No, it, it definitely happens. Like I'm not a, I'm not a thermal denier around here. Yeah. I'm just saying that when you have a steady breeze the wind here will always trump the thermals. Yeah. If it, yeah, if there's no wind, there's no denying right. that if you're set up on a field edge <clears throat> at night. Yes. Your wind is going right down yes. the nearest ditch. Uncontrolled thermals. You're fucked. Yes. And uh Okay, so I agree with you on that for sure. Um the so here's where thermals come into play. I don't I think no matter what is on the leeward side of the hill. Because that hillside does not is not experiencing that wind. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two different things I've experienced by hunting leeward sides with with a um, with a hillside across or an open gap. So an open gap, I don't ever feel the breeze back, but I think when you have a tight ditch on the other side, you'll get thermals plus you get some of the wind that's blowing. So like you'll get like a, it'll actually like feel like a breeze coming into your face. Go down to the military grass. I just go right, go down the hill a little bit, and I've, I've literally, I can honestly say I've felt that, and seen it, and been like very obvious, where I was just standing thirty yards away from here, up on a hill, and it was blowing hard, and thirty yards down this hill, I'm getting a stiff breeze in my face. But I think it takes the ditch on the other side to do that strongly, mm-hmm. and then when you get in these more open areas. I think it's a like a big like a big point that goes out into like a bigger open valley. It doesn't have a that, that it's not a ditch really. It's just a point out to an opening low low valley or whatever. Um, that's when I get more like I've noticed like the more slight rise, I guess, where like deer aren't getting wind of you right downwind, so there must be some type of. That wind's just shooting over the top of their head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I don't know if the thermals are playing much of a role in that situation or if it's more the wind just shoots over them and they don't smell it. Um, 
The big one is that ever, you get ruined on is the evening sit out in the field edge. Yeah, when the wind dies down at dark. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. I don't. It's difficult. I don't know how to. I, I still haven't figured it out because I can't give you sound advice unless you know. If you have it down where they're bedded and then you have it down where they're coming out, go after it. Um, the issue is that they come out in those in those in those little swales that you have to take into account. That's where your scent's going. So I always I always like steer on the side of caution because I'm like, I may have seen them come out of this one, but like, what says they can't just walk a hundred more yards and come out of this one? Because you, I've seen them do that. They come out of different ones on different nights. So it's it's difficult. I really try to put my back to the ditch that I believe that my thermals are going to go down on. So, like, I've been starting to set up stands where it's like, well, if I had to pick one place that they're not going to come out of, it'll probably be this. And I'm hoping to catch, like, diagonal movement from that ditch out in front of me that they're just going to be moving from there out into the main food. But it's tough. Have you, uh, Weston, does that answer all your questions? Yes, I think you guys did a really good job there. That uh, definitely makes it easier for me to understand. And hopefully other people as well. So what do you think takes place with uh, with thermals? Like what do you think is an important thing to pay attention to? Me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, just from what you said, basically, uh, you just got to take into account if you, if at all possible, maybe hunt high in the, in the morning so that your thermals don't get, uh, so like if you hunt a bottom, obviously they would rise and people say that bucks bed, like usually in the, what the top, like 40% of a hillside. Yeah. Would you say third? Yeah. Top third. So maybe if you have, you know, don't hunt the bottoms in the morning because it's obviously going to rise. Yeah, it's. Right I think up. it's difficult to hunt the bottoms because you're you're. It's like the same thing as at night where you 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 have uncontrolled right. rise. Really, it's just spreading all and over then, into the and then space. maybe hunt tops. I mean, obviously hunt the tops more at night so that you can hopefully catch them coming back to the bedding, and your thermals are in the morning. You're saying, dropping. yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. In the mornings, excuse me. I mean, yeah, that's a simple way to put it. Yeah, I mean, at night you can hunt lower. If you can do that. I mean, if you have like at the night option you can, to do bottom and Like top. the advantage, so at, in the, the advantage on both sides <clears throat> is at night you can hunt in lower spots that you probably wouldn't want to hunt in the morning just because of swirling winds. Like if it's if it's calm or whatever, then you, then you know the thermals are going to take over. So do you think like there's a time at midday where it just becomes stagnant or is it always rising or falling? Mm-hmm. Like, is there that, like, two-hour gap? Part of the, it's just... part of the deal where I'm sure something's happening. Um, but whenever I'm checking, like, your wind speed is just so much stronger during those hours. So, like, the wind just trumps it. Right. So, above all, play the wind, obviously. Yeah, and the second the sun goes down and the wind dies off, mm-hmm. like, start throwing milkweed and it could be going the exact opposite mm-hmm. of what it was just doing. Right. So, you can think about That's stands like that, too. It's like... Um. So if I, you know, if, if I know a point where something's probably bedded with like a south wind, theoretically I could 
hunt off the side of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then hunt low off the side. Let your thermals dive down because you know that that most likely that buck isn't going to get below you. Right? Because he's probably more in the afternoon. They're heading, like, just to the food source, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know where they're bedded, that's kind of like what Eric's situation was probably. He hunted at the head of a ditch. He assumed that the bedding area was off to the side. He got off to the side with the wind blowing down into that ditch, plus his thermals are going to head down there. Right. So, so at some point, he knew they were going to have to cross one scent stream, line. Yeah. Or his scent line. But right. But if you have gonna, a shot yeah, before. They're going to have to die first. Right. right. Or they go above you. Mm-hmm. That's why those, you know, head of those ditches are always nice because you have those washouts and it's an obvious pinch point that mm-hmm. takes place. Yeah, they might get down. Yeah, you go downwind of me in the afternoon, sit in a ditch like that, like ahead of a ditch, where you know your thermals just sucking right down that ditch, like they're not rising. Um, you can get away with a lot. So you could hunt that with a wind that maybe isn't like great to where you think they're gonna come from at like three thirty, right? So like you go in at like three thirty in the afternoon, suns like the winds in control, but the winds blowing in an area that you probably wouldn't want your wind going into at dusk when the when they're up and moving. Right. Right. It could be like where they're coming from, but not in their bedding area. So that's how it, that's how precise it can get. Yeah. You know, that's how precise it can get. It can blow like so. Like you go in there blowing in a spot that you wouldn't want a deer to be moving around right now, but you're booking it. You're you're, you're banking on you're the, banking on the, the fact, fact that your that thermals are going to start sucking down, and as soon as he's bedded in there because that wind's advantageous for him. You're just mm-hmm. off a little bit to the side. Yep. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know. It's tough to explain, I guess. All right, any any other questions on that? I no. think we've, I think we've covered her pretty much. I think you did pretty well. If you have any more questions, you know, message us. Answer it next podcast. <laughs> um, I think Jed's up for the Jed album. is. Jed is up for the album. Hold on a second. I actually think there is a, I think there is a question that I'm supposed to answer. Yeah. Okay. You want me to answer this first? Or you got the album up. Oh, we, we can we can save the album. All right, I'll answer this. Well, I'll ask time, it first. <clears throat> hey, longtime listener here. Do you like to sit when the weather is changing or wait till it is getting back to normal? Example: twenty degree change, night to morning. With chance of rain, do you sit that night and morning or wait till the following night and morning when things are leveling off? Get out in front. Oh, yeah, I'd be out in front of it all day. In front or right behind? Um, dead center of a, of a weather event usually isn't great. Like dead center of a rain, dead center of a snowstorm or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like obviously I'd like I'll hunt both of them, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick getting out in front. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think you worded it as like leveling off, but I think you probably means like do you wait till before or after? So I'd avoid the leveling off part, like the the consistent where it's just like storming. I'd avoid that. 
And then, yeah, that would be a different discussion. Would, would you prefer the right after the storm goes through or right before? Because they're both pretty freaking good. And it just depends on, I mean, depends on the severity of both ends. Like, both sides. I don't know. I don't know. If you put a gun to my head, I don't know if I'd be able to answer that right now. Well, Which you'd one have I'd to prefer. pick one. You'd just have to pick one and live with it. Like, I don't think there's a wrong answer. No, there isn't. I think they're both awesome. That's that's kind of what I'm, I'm saying. I think... If I had to choose and I was hunting afternoons, I'd be I'd be on a I'd probably pick after, honestly. Like food source after a uh heavy thunderstorm. Food source after like yeah, like two days of rain or like a big snowstorm, I'd probably pick that. Um I kinda think morning sit though, like I might I might go on uh the thought like the day before a storm hits, they might be up out of their bed a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> oh, I've had I've had great hunts on both and terrible hunts on yep. both. Like, all right, man, what's your album? Great question there, Willie. Oh, is that is that old Jed's cousin? Is that, is that old cousin Willie? So, uh, I bet he kills a big buck this year. He's on it. I think you're right. Seems to be real motivated. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going uh, the old Randy Travis well this week. The wow. album, the album is Storms of Life. I don't know when was it released. 1986. This was pre. This was like pre, alcoholism catching up with Randy Travis. Well. I mean, he was living through it, but it hadn't caught up with him yet. Yeah. Uh, first is song. Is he dead then? No, I don't oh, think he's dead. Big stroke, but he's yeah. actually. Like he's like singing, singing again. again. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Uh, first song on the album, On the Other Hand. Pretty popular one. Pretty good. Pretty good. Weston, get in that mic. This is your. That's a great fucking song. Yeah. Randy You're Travis. Big on Randy Travis. So. <laughs> Almost had our first dance song to a Randy Travis song. Not sure if it's on that album or not, but um, it doesn't. There isn't many country voices that are better than Randy Travis. I'll give you a credit. He has a nice, nice voice. He's awesome. So that's a good, good, good pick so far. Name the uh, album again. Around the Bend. It's the Storms of Life. Cool. <laughs> uh, oh, second song. Hey. Second song is. Storms of Life. Mm. Title track. Yeah. I would say that's my <laughs> second favorite song on this album. Really? Mm-hmm. What's number oh, you just continue saying. Uh song number three, My Heart Cracked, but it did not break. Really like that one. Song four, probably the most popular song from this album, Digging Up Bones. Great song. Probably my least favorite song. Sing a little bit Weston. <laughs> no. No, I'm not gonna do Randy Travis like that. Uh, number five. No place like home. Great song. Six. 1982. Uh, another not great song in my opinion. Seven. Send my body. Iffy. Eight. Messing with my mind. Decent. Song number nine. Favorite song on the album. Reasons I cheat. I mean, if you That's just your second want, favorite. Storms of life. Uh, the theme of both of those songs is fairly depressing. 
I'm into depressing music. That's, yeah, those are always your favorite ones. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there'll always be a honky tonk somewhere. Another great song. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of those rare albums where I actually probably don't skip a song when I listen to it. Mm-hmm. Just let her run. Really? Yeah. On his 1986 debut, Randy Travis brought the buttery baritone of his to a Ooh. batch to a, of timeless sounding new tunes that could just as easily have been recorded 25 years earlier. Renewing listeners' faith in classical country music values. Thank you, Randy. Hmm. Well, got to listen to that. Yeah, Jed. give her a listen. I say last time I heard him singing, he wasn't doing very well. No, he's not doing great as a human. The old Parkinson's. Oh, just a lot of stuff. <laughs> Lots of years of drinking. Oh. Hard drinking. Less than Neil's what his future is then. (laughs) Alrighty. This is episode 59. Subscribe, like, share.